You're listening to the End of the Dust Podcast, hosted by Joe Moore, presented by Belly Up Sports. Join today's episode, Oliver Erickson. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Belly Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, we can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BELLYUPSPORTS at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. So, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'm currently prepping for going to Finland uh, for this weekend's Rally X-Race that I'll be joining in preparation for Nitro. So, you mentioned Nitro there. What are your plans for this season for Nitro, or what can you say for your plans for this season? Uh, the plan is currently to to join full season, obviously, with uh, All Sparks MSC. Uh, everything is not uh, perfectly in place yet, but that's how it's looking. And uh, yeah, it looked like All Sparks MSC is, is coming on stronger. Uh, we will join with more cars, uh, hopefully. So uh, yeah, it looks good. So last season in Nitro RX, you won, I believe it was two different times. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, I know the one came at, I believe it was Quebec. I'm just trying to go off a of memory yeah. here. Um, yeah. You were one of the few drivers to win last season because pretty much the entire field was dominated by uh, Travis Pastrana and Ramon and Robin Larson and Andreas Backerud. So what was it like to win in Quebec on the first full snow event? Yeah, it was good, you know, obviously being a Swede, uh, coming into an ice event, we had a lot of pressure on us. But, you know, we've been growing up on ice. We should show everyone how it's done pretty much. It was a talk before the event. But, uh, yeah, Fraser showed us wrong. He beat us uh, in the in the battle rounds. Uh, so it was cool runnings, we call him. Uh, you know, being Jamaican, it was his second time on snow and ice, and he beat all of us Scandinavians in the battle round. So, uh, yeah, it was good redemption, you know, coming back, uh, getting the win on the actual event after that. So, uh, yeah, it was good fun, you know. Uh, we were close a couple of times before and after that. You know, I just fell short a couple of times, you know. We, we were good all year, and, uh, yeah, it was just a tough feel. Um, so as far as last Nitro RX season or now, I guess Nitro Cross because the name has changed, but I'll still refer to it as Nitro Rally Cross because last season, that's what it was called. Um, what was your favorite track last season on the calendar? My favorite track, uh, obviously Minneapolis is always good fun. Um, there were some... Issues, you know, it, it rained a lot uh, uh, the days before. Uh, so the mud was not ideal, but, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the track is just so awesome. Uh, but I love Quebec, you know. Uh, I like that city, you know. It's uh, always fun driving on ice as well. So, uh, yeah, obviously I won the race also, so I can't really complain on that, but... Uh, Minneapolis is always 
fun to go through. Um, so in terms of last season, what was the biggest challenge you faced? Uh, I struggled during the whole season with uh, tires, to be honest. You know, uh, I, I, sorry, I, I got a lot of punctures and so on in, in unfortunate times during the race. So uh, normally in the finals at really wrong time, you know, to get one. Uh, as I said, I was close, really close to getting a couple more wins, but uh, stuff like that uh, held me back. Uh, so I, I tried to work on that, you know, all year. Uh, some drivers didn't have any issues with it. So uh, obviously I knew I had to, to go into myself and see what am I doing different to the others and uh, try to keep the wheel on the, uh, the tire on the wheel. So oh, the, the tire on the rim. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, getting getting to grips also with, with the F1X, I mean, it's quite a mean machine. Uh, but same for everyone there as well. You know, it's the first year. Uh, it's a startup year for, for the car and everything as well. So, uh, uh, yeah, maybe I was, I took too long to, to, to grip the car. But obviously, yeah, not really either. You know, Sweden, we were on pole position. But, uh, yeah, just generally, I too, did too many mistakes. Uh, then I need to clean up for, for, for this season. Um, so last season, uh, you and Osbergs had a lot of different drivers come in, some such as multi-time World RX champion Johan Gerstaverson. So what was it like for you guys to have kind of rotating teammates in the third car? Uh, Joan actually drove for JC and Dreyer. But, uh, yeah, but we had Chase Elliott, uh, Austin Sindrick, Benito Guerra, and so on, Niklas Grönholm. Uh, so, yeah, we had a big rotation. And, you know, it's it, it was good fun, you know. Uh, obviously, getting new guys in, you have to teach them uh, new tricks and stuff. But uh, we are, as a team, very open. Uh, me and Kevin, obviously, we we don't like to keep secrets. You know, we always want to improve each other. So that also comes in for for our third car. We don't want them to feel any disadvantages. You know, uh, we want them to get in and perform. You know, because uh, obviously that helps us individually as well. Uh, when the team does well, uh, the rest of the team follows. You know, so uh, yeah, we just try to be open. Uh, I don't really struggle with a rotation in, in a third car driver. Uh, so uh, hopefully we can have a, a, a steady third car driver and maybe have a rotation on a fourth car uh, for this year. So uh, I look forward to it. And uh, yeah, as I said, as long as we do well as a team, everyone does well. So, so your teammate last season and throughout most of your career has been uh, your brother Kevin. Has there ever yep. been kind of like I guess a sibling rivalry or that sort of stuff? Because I know there is, for the most part, in a sense, teammates are in some ways rivals. But also for you guys being siblings, was there a bit more kind of I want to beat him, or was it always kind of friendly competition? No, it's all friendly. Uh, I'd say it's uh. During these last couple of years, you know, uh, 
that I've catched him. He's always been higher up in the ranks than I've been, you know, driving RX, uh, GRC lights, RX2 and so on. He's been in supercar for a long time. So I've always said, you know, that, uh, what do you say in English? The, the hare to catch, uh, the rabbit to catch. What do you call it? Yeah, I think something like that. But uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I've always, you know, uh, tried to catch up to him. And he's always been super fast, super good when he gets into a car. So uh, obviously I've been on the sidelines being in a junior car next to him. I learned a lot from what he does and um, from what he doesn't do. So, uh, yeah, but when now when we're, when we're in the same car, as I said, uh, we're a team. We, we need to perform together. We have our differences for sure, but uh, try to work around them and get along well. So... What you mentioned last season was the first season with the FCX one. What was it like for you to go from competition that saw multiple different chassis facing off for one set goal to having everybody in the same car? I personally enjoyed more uh, being in a spec series. Uh, that's where I come from in my background. You know, being in the DRC lights and so on. It's it's all driver. How you set up your car and so on how to get the most out of it. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it, doing the small details, uh, doing that lap when you need it. Uh, and yeah, the close racing is it's more my, my cup of tea. Uh, obviously coming from a gravel background also, during the mixed surface tracks, I set up uh, my car different to many others. So I have a big gain maybe on gravel and so on. Uh, so I, I like that, that you can do a lot different, but you're still in the same material. And, you know, money doesn't buy you buy, buy any achievements in, in that sort of respect. So, uh, yeah, I like it very much. And to it also kind of, in a way, like just from watching the series, it shows what drivers, what a driver's full potential is. It's not completely determined by the car's capability it shows it'll and i guess in a sense also and you'll be able to speak to this it allows a driver to test their capabilities against another person who's in the same car yeah exactly it's all up to driver and and how you face the the task you're up against so uh, yeah i i like that that type of racing more so in terms of like last season saw a few schedule changes. Finland was canceled. Saudi Arabia was canceled. Um, what was it like for you to like, what was it like to have the double headers last season? Cause I know this season also most of the calendar is double header events. Yeah. I don't mind them. Uh, obviously a lot of driving long days, but uh, yeah, it's, it's more harsh for the mechanics, I'd say. They have to stay up long nights, prepare the car after a long day of racing. And it needs to be like new the day after. So, uh, yeah, I don't mind them so much. Uh, it, it's even more on that stuff, you know, we have to focus on detail in a track that every driver knows very well at the end of the weekend and you have to stand out in a different way. Uh, that can be fun. And, yeah. We just ended the season in a triple header in LA. That was a bit physically tough. So, uh, yeah, 
it was a long season and then we ended with triple header. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Maybe double headers are enough, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, last season again, who was kind of your favorite person to race against, I guess, in either the heats or the battle bracket or so on? Uh, I enjoyed racing Robin. For sure. Kevin is a good race as well, but, you know, being your teammate, you don't want to race it so much. But, uh, yeah, racing Robin, that was, it was always fun. You know, being in the car there, if he was ahead or if he was behind, you know, he, he always raced clean. Uh, didn't do anything stupid, just wanted to beat you fair and square and vice versa. So, uh, some drivers can be a bit um, desperate. They get to an opportunity, they need to take it directly. But Robin wasn't like that. You know, he was uh, very calm and, uh, yeah, as I say, he didn't do anything stupid. He just raced clean and well. And uh, yeah, that was that was nice. I like racing. Um. So you mentioned you like we've talked pretty show as well about uh, GRC stuff. For you, what was the biggest like? What is the biggest difference between something like GRC or even Rally X to Nitro? Uh, the tracks are the biggest difference for sure. Uh, you know, GRC had one tabletop jump, Rally X, and GRC also was more mixed surface and more, you know how you take the corner and how you do get the special speed out of a corner. But in GRC, you need to think broader than that. You know, It's more about where's your breaking point for the jump, uh, how you take the corner, how if you should approach a corner quickly because there's a jump just after it, does the exit speed really matter? So it's a lot more aspect to to get grips on, you know, a uh, lot more information to get. Uh, it's just much more of everything. And uh, obviously the format's different also. I like the format with the batter brackets. It, it gets you in a complete different mindset there as well. That, yeah, you're never safe in a batter bracket, if I say so. And then you need to go into the next day and the, and the racing, you, you always have to keep an eye out behind even though you're looking forward. So, uh, yeah, it's just so much more that happens on a Nitro uh, event uh, in generally for driving, for spotters, for for everything. So, uh, yeah. So, you mentioned at the start of the show, Nitro X, you did the first event in Sweden, if I am correct, correct? No, in England. In England, okay. Sweden was the second event, yeah. Because ah, I don't follow Nitro X closely. I only even know about it because I follow, because I'm somewhat friends with Andrew Cully, so <laughs> I oh, see yeah. his stuff a lot. But So, yeah. Um, what was it like for you kind of this season, or at the start of the season in Nitro X, to go from the FCX one back to a combustion engine car. 
Yeah, I'll try this weekend, first time back in a supercar, actually. Uh, I've done a little bit of light stuff just in between now. But, uh, but yeah, I'm getting back into supercar. So I told the guys to bring an extra gearbox if I do some mischief and stuff. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go. So in terms of cars, you mentioned you drove supercar lights before. You drove... Yeah. The FCX one obviously drove the supercar. The supercars before that, yeah. Yeah. What has been your favorite car to drive out of any of them? Favorite car for sure is FC1X. Uh, you do miss the sound. The sound of a supercar is pretty rad. But uh, just the performance of the car is unreal, you know. The acceleration, the top speed, the how you can jump like the the travel is immense you know and just the car handling itself it, it's it's a proper race car that and it's strong as well so you don't need to like uh, be careful of any stuff on track and uh, during racing not to hit certain stuff as long as you keep your wheels out of the way you know so uh a supercar is very fragile uh it's cool, but you don't have the travel and you have the intercool in the front and stuff, so you have to be super careful on the jumps and, and everything, you know. But um, yeah, the FC1X is just next level. So uh, yeah, everyone should should try to get in one of those. You know, they are, they are fast. Last season, I know there was, I know this issue kind of came up at, started in Linden Hill. And kind of carried on throughout the season with the hoods kind of flapping as the car gained to a certain speed. Was that ever kind of distracting for you, or did you not even notice it? No, you don't really notice it. And uh, it's actually when you when you hit the car in front, it's kind of a lip on the hood that it jumps out of its uh, its uh, uh, mount uh, to the bumper. That's what happens. So. If you're ahead, then that is fine. But if you hit another car and the hood comes up a bit, it starts flapping. But, you know, you're so focused when you're racing. You you have no idea what's actually going on there. So, yeah, it's not noticeable. Because I remember that was like the joke I started making after Lynn Hill was... Because the uh, Nitro Rallycross thing was always tracks that thrill, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, also cars that talk now as well, because oh, yeah. That, yeah. That, that, the first weekend also... when they did the, the was it Eminem uh, meme? That was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um... We had bat- battle raps. Rap battle, that's what it's called. Yeah, <laughs> with the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens. That's very car. Whatever. <laughs> So, in terms of like your history in rallycross, what got you into wanting to do rallycross? Yeah, I got very influenced, you know, by my dad. Uh, he was a rally guy. Uh, did rallying for a long time. Was close to getting a full time seat in WRC, but ended up doing a couple events. Um, his rally career ended when he crashed in Rally Sweden WRC. Uh, into a tree and uh, yeah it was pretty pretty bad crash 
at that time he decided to move to rallycross in 2005 he started uh, european rallycross uh, i was only yeah six years old by then so and then you know from 2005 to yeah 2013 at least my dad drove uh, rallycross on the highest level uh, so it was more of a hobby back then you know uh, the late yeah from 2005 to 2009 ish so we were like in rvs going around in all of europe doing rallycross events so uh, we brought school with us you know and lived in a in a camper bus uh, going on on rallycross tracks and that's pretty much how my motorsport interest to start you know i grew up with it uh, being close to it my whole life so uh, when i got the when my time was in at 14 years old i did my first uh, uh, motorsport race oh, yeah it's uh in something called folk race which is a, a super cheap uh, rallycross uh, class you could say it's a very popular in Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and Finland. Uh, it's pretty much a whole rallycross event, but with cars for eight hundred dollars instead of eight hundred thousand dollars. So I started doing that at fourteen, and then I got my yeah. When I was sixteen, I got the chance to go to USA, drive supercar lights, and did well. And yeah, everything just moved fast from there. And, now I'm a night. So for you, I know you've driven select events in 2015, I believe, in your ORX. And I believe you also, if I'm correct, you also drove one event in World RX. Was there ever kind of a want for you to get into your RX or World RX? No, so I did. In 2017, I did two events in World RX, and that was just, uh, yeah, we had a sponsor that wanted to to do it, so we went and did that. Uh, we weren't quite prepared as we wanted to, but uh, yeah, we did. We had fun. Uh, then in 2020, I did uh, what should have been a full European Championship program. Uh, we did the first two events. Uh, I won both of them in Sweden and Latvia. It took 59 out of 60 points. And then, yeah, FIA decided to cancel the series, uh, the championship. Um, that was too bad. Obviously, it was during COVID, but it was when the COVID was somewhat controlled at that point in Europe. So uh, World Championship continued driving, but they... They completely scrapped the European Championship for some reason. And yeah, that was a bummer. Uh, no, it was 2021. I'm lying to you. Yeah. No. Yeah. 2020. Yeah, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 you know, I tried being on the on the European stage in, in supercars. Uh, obviously, I won Rallyx Nordic that same year. Um, so I did my fair share here, you know, but then Nitro came up as an option. Uh, I thought that looked more interesting than what the World RX plans were. And you now looking at it now, it, it was the right choice. Uh, Nitro, Nitro Cross is the place to be. And 
I'm there, so can't really complain. So, as far as the supercar lights go, if I'm correct, in 2015 in GRC, you won the supercar lights class and only your second season in the car, correct? Yeah, it was my first full year. I did selected four selected events in in fourteen, and then full championship picture, and once. So, what was that like for you to win in your first season? That yeah, was quite crazy, to be honest. You know, it was very unexpected. Um, we just, I, I got the opportunity. Everyone said I was too young to do it, but uh, my dad believed in me, and we went on and did it. Uh, he got some budget over from. Yeah, from the supercar program and I found some sponsors and we 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 managed to get a full season together. So uh it was just fun, you know. Um going over there, trying trying it out, gather experience and yeah, it went like it did and that opened up a lot of doors for me. Uh, obviously for twenty sixteen. Uh, I was signed by Red Bull, Red Bull North America. It's a potential, so uh yeah. That year in 2015 really opened up my whole career, I'd say. Uh, that took me on a route to to where I am now, you know, uh, being a Red Bull athlete for the seventh year now. Uh, so, yeah, it was a big ride. So, what has been your favorite, I guess, championship to race in? Uh, Oryx 2E was a really great championship uh, when I was moving obviously it was at the peak of uh, the world championship when all the manufacturers were in and so on Oryx 2 was really strong uh, spec series like a junior series uh, very competitive you know uh, and just good vibes all around in the paddock uh, we raced each other hard on track but coming off of it Everyone was pretty much friends, and you know it was a big learning curve for for all of us that was there. Uh, obviously, there were a lot of drivers that has taken a route now that has moved up into the bigger classes. So, uh, yeah, other than Nitro, which is becoming something very special, I, I think in the world, uh, RX Two was for me a big uh, big series to to be. So, when you were talking about your dad earlier, you mentioned rally. Was there an interest from you to get into rally, or was it always rallycross? Uh, it's always been rallycross. Uh, rallycross excites me more than than rallying. Obviously, rallying is a is a driver sport. Uh, I know that. I've done some sprints. I really enjoy driving it, but looking at the full. Sp- spectrum you know rallycross has the potential and in my opinion should be one of the biggest sports in the world because uh, it's just it's awesome in every level it, it's fun driving it's good racing normally it's fun for fans it's an arena sport you know it's got all the uh, ingredients to be something i want to be a part of so uh, yeah rallycross has always been my I've always had my eyes on Rallycross for sure. 
And, and you mentioned that rallycross should be the one of the bigger sports in the world, and it isn't. And it's also something that has struggled in North America, and that's something that Travis Pastrana with uh, Nitro Cross now is trying to kind of get through in North America because now North America has gone through Global Rallycross, America's Rallycross, and now Nitro Cross, which I guess in some ways isn't really Rallycross. It's kind of a hybrid between Rallycross and some other sports, but it's still kind of the same concept. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. GRC was really, it was, yeah. It was getting there, uh, but there's a lot of politics behind, you know. Uh, I don't know the full stories of, but uh, yeah, it was too bad it ended because uh, stuff was moving there in a really big picture. Uh, but politics got in the way, which is too bad, you know, uh, for a sport that should be open to everyone to enjoy. Yeah. So. I hope, yeah, obviously Travis and everyone in Nitro sees the the potential in what it could and should be. So that's why, yeah, me and my family and Northbergs MEC chose the route to go to Nitro because they're the only ones right now that have the same vision like we do to make Rallycross great, you know. Uh, and if that was making it more American, you know, with bigger jumps, because it is obviously a European back, it has a big European background. And back here, we don't do it as big and cool as they do in USA. So they put a big touch on it, and now it's moving to something more than Rallycross. But, you know, the heart of Rallycross is still there. And, uh, yeah, as long as it, as long as it excites and, and we're racing cars that are exciting. It's always rallycross to me. And the biggest thing about like Nitro is the jumps, and it adds more excitement for fans. And it's also with it being a spec series, it also kind of adds another level of interest to it because you don't know how anything's going to go. It's not always, oh yeah, so and so is going to win every event, like. Last season, I know Johan Christopherson won, I believe, every event in World RX. That doesn't happen in Nitro because it's really hard to happen in Nitro. One small mistake and you've lost time, and it's really hard to gain back that time because everybody's in the same spec car. So, yeah, exactly. And also, like, the European tracks are going more the boring route, if you ask me. It's more and more payment, there's less turns no jumps there's so we have a spec series car which is the fastest car in, in the world uh, looking at what we're doing and we have the most challenging tracks that you can think of so not doing a mistake is unavoidable uh, which opens everything up and everyone says yeah you win if you just don't do a mistake but you you can't go full race without doing a mistake in nitrocross it's completely impossible so yeah that makes it yeah super unexpected and obviously good a good betting site as well because uh, 
Yeah, it'd be hard to put odds on anything. And this year, from what I've already seen of the Oklahoma track for round one, it's just going to get more insane as time goes on, which is which is the way Travis Strano works completely. Yeah. From what I've learned is it just gets more insane as you go with it. So, but it it's fun. And Travis knows what, kind of knows what the fans want as well. So I I completely trust him. I just don't trust his testing methods of the tracks with the dirt bike because that I'm surprised that hasn't ended badly for him. Yeah, yeah. Give give Travis a couple machines and some dirt and a free mind, and he will do some weird stuff. <laughs> I. He always I, I, he, he makes it good and like we we trust him as well like the stuff he he does they are awesome but maybe yeah the, the safety is uh, maybe not always there <laughs> the safety thought basically yeah. guy <laughs> there's gonna be a point I think at the night short tra- tracks that Travis is gonna be like. Well, we can't do that. So, what do we do now to make this better? So that's just not the same thing over and over again. And I think that was also kind of my concern with um, Nitro returning to Glen Helen for the final round was that it would just seem kind of, I guess, the same as when you guys went there for round six. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was also hoping they would do something different for the final round, but it was what it was. It was it, it was a good race track there, but yeah. It it kind of shocked me when they said that that was the plan for the final round. I was like, that seems kind of rushed in a way. Like you would think they would have had something big for that, but I do understand there was a lot of scheduling issues as well for. Yeah, there were two different plans before that, and that was like plan C. So, yeah, I don't know everything uh, uh, around it, but I, I know it wasn't plan A, if I say so. And it's like I said, yeah, it just seemed kind of rushed. And I do understand, like I said, there was scheduling issues as well with um to try to get a three round event in there because of. Yeah. Saudi Arabia getting cancelled, Calgary's round becoming a non championship round. So yeah. that and there was a big flooding in, in the area the days before there in England Island as well. So everything was against them at that point. And and that's not yeah. something you can just say, Oh yeah, we aren't gonna have a final round now and there's just gonna be a seven round series and it's like uh that's not interesting anymore like it's still interesting yeah. but it's like that's risking a lot more and especially because it's like how do you actually crown a champion when you cut out three rounds at the end of the season yeah, it's like... yeah no they made it work uh, i mean i think everyone's pretty happy with how the solution was made so in the end it ended up fairly i think for everyone around uh, for us driving as well so there was no, uh, it was all happy faces. So in the paddocks, because I know there is a different kind of sense of 
actions around in the paddocks, it's not as serious 110% of the time as it is out on track. Who's the most fun guy to have in the paddock? Uh, Fraser always puts a smile on your face. Uh, you know, he can have a proper bad day, but when you go meet him, he still has a, a smile on his face and trying to cheer you up, you know. Uh, obviously, he came through through our programs uh, when he was coming into rallycross. So he lived with us for a while in Sweden uh, doing different series and racing. And yeah. I really enjoy spending time with Fraser. Uh, he's probably my favorite person. I don't know my brother, you know, but he's my teammate, so it's kind of cheating. But yeah, Press is a, is a fun dude. So throughout your career, you've had a lot of different teammates. Like today, I was just looking through who has actually driven for Osbergs, and I and I was shocked to see how many different drivers have actually driven for them throughout their existence. So for you, yeah. who has been kind of your favorite teammate to have? Oh. The one, yeah, yeah. That I've, I've stayed in contact with, who I became real close friends with. Obviously, it's Fras, one of them. But Austin Sindrick, uh, we drove together in light 2015. Uh, we became really good friends up to this day, you know. Uh, we live close to each other in, in Charlotte as well. So when we're both home, we normally go to the go-kart track and, and hang out and play Star Wars games and eat pizza, you know. And, you know, it's probably my favorite because we, yeah, we became such good friends after. So in your experience, who is the most difficult driver to race against? Oh. That's a good question. You know, Johan, he's always good. Uh, Christopherson, obviously. Backward is quite tough to race against also because she's he's very unpredictable. I'd say Backward is the most unpredictable driver I've raced against. Johan is tough because he's like consistently top level. Like always. He doesn't have a bad day. Um, Scott Speed, he comes out fast from the gates, you know. Uh, and yeah, and Travis, he also does unexpected stuff. And it can be really tough. Uh, on track and, and so on, but he, he mostly gets away with it, but sometimes it, 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 it backfires a bit. So, uh, yeah, they are my top, but in different categories. So, so. And, and just from a, like, from a point of view of watching, you can tell who's actually on the pace and watching Johan Kristofferson, he's always on pace. There's never a moment where he's like, that wasn't on pace there, buddy. No, it's like he knows the track within like three laps of the event. It's like, yeah, it's scary how good he is. Yeah, he, he he's fast quickly. Like, yeah, he he doesn't waste time learning tracks or anything. He he's quick at the gates. Um, yeah, you you always know what to expect from your for sure. Like I I saw one 
he got into a FCX one, I was like, okay, yeah, he's going to be quick, but he's going to take a minute to get used to it. And I was like, no, he's right there already. It's like, that is yeah. Free. Yeah, but he came in at a good time as well. You know, we had uh, England before that, and England was a pretty strange event, I think, for all of us. Uh, we were very limited on testing, uh, so everyone kind of came into England uh, with the fresh car and everything. You know, Travis, he had not a single meter either in the car because he had his uh, injury uh, from when he was uh, skydiving. So. Uh, yeah, I think Johan at that time he came in at a, a time where everything was a bit chaotic in nitro and for all the drivers getting to the grips as well. So we were all trying to figure it out. And yeah, obviously then he shines as well because he's the quickest to figure it out. For like for me, this season is going to be more kind of a, I guess, in a way, an actual full nitro championship. Like I know last season was. But in a sense, last season was also for the first couple of rounds was who could get used to the car quicker. Yeah. For the start. And then after about round three, round four, it became okay, now who's actually the better driver? It wasn't, yeah, okay, yeah, I figured out the car quicker. It was, I know the car and I'm the better driver now. It's not. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, you know, it's more. It's more, you know, as I said, now it'll be more about the the, the small details, uh, who does the least mistakes and so on. Obviously, it'd be a couple of new tracks on the calendar as well, but some old ones that they might have done some tweaks to as well. So, yeah, we all have to figure it out once again. So, that's why Nitro Cross is fun, in my opinion, also because they do changes that are before you get to events you don't quite expect them either so uh, yeah it's a new book pretty much every time and and that's the thing that like you said keeps Nitro interesting and keeps Nitro fun for not only the drivers but also the fans because you don't know what to expect it's not constantly oh yeah they were here last year they should know the track this person will probably win again yada 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 it's like no everything is pretty much brand new it's like yeah it's the same track but the track's not exactly the same so anything can go any which way yeah and and you know it's as i said it's very physically challenging as well so you know we're athletes you can have a bad day you can have a really good day uh <laughs> so yeah one bad start if you're a couple of tens off uh, your reaction time in a start you you can lose a win as well so such small stuff that no one really thinks about either when it comes to Nitro Cross that that makes difference and it's not always car and how you adapt and mentally and so on it's also physically like how how fast can you do that start how perfectly can you hit your your uh, your wheel speed you know in the start you don't burn out oh yeah what do you call it I lost the words (laughs) but yeah so you don't spin up and you know so many things, uh, timing in corners, everything, how they water the track. You can get out to a heat and they water the track and it's slicker than, than you anticipated. You do a mistake, you get passed. Uh, 
So yeah, as I say, it's never a dull moment, you know. And, and like you said, everything is different every run of the track as well. Because as you guys go, even if the track like the first lap was watered down, normally by most of the time, just from watching, you can tell the track pretty much is back to being pretty much dry by the end. So every round, every lap around, conditions are changing. Yeah, and you and you know you make holes, uh, ruts. You make all kinds of different stuff in the track, so it changes massively between laps. Uh, so you kind of have to look, have an eye out for how to hit different grooves and and ruts and, and stuff like that as well to be fast. So. Yeah, and I remember like in Quebec they had the apexes and the long corners. Even some of the shorter corners, I guess they have most of the apexes coned off for yep. the support classes. That way, you guys, when you guys came around, the corners weren't completely destroyed. Yeah, the the, the ice races was a struggle. Uh, obviously, it, it was very tough with the weather. Uh, we had we didn't have as cold as needed during the actual event. Uh, in Quebec, we only had like Celsius now, uh, zero to minus one. So the ice gets very soft and fragile uh, when we come with our studded tires. So we were through it quicker than expected. And that's why we needed to save the ice and do different stuff. But all that comes from us drivers as well. You know, we the, the series are very open to, to discuss with us. You know, we have extra drivers meeting to discuss certain issues like that because it's new for the series and some of us drivers have some experience on it and some don't so it's good in that aspect also that we are discussing it openly uh, trying different stuff that no one has ever done so we need to have an open mind all of us in it you know to to make a good race also and and for it to be as fair as possible And like I previously mentioned, Calgary became a non-championship round due to just the weather. lack of, yeah, the weather and the lack of actual sufficient ice. Yeah, but that weekend was crazy. We landed, I landed on Wednesday. So Wednesday, Thursday was negative 17 Celsius. And Friday, Saturday, Sunday was plus 10. So it switched. 27 degrees overnight. That was complete nuts. So the ice was good. During Thursday when we had track work everything, everything was fine. And then we woke up Friday and it was so warm. So the ice just disappeared. <laughs> so yeah, that was a new experience. Uh, we, have, we, we have cold and we have warm in Sweden, but not 27 degrees overnight. That was... The special Alberta stuff. This year was different in Alberta because normally, like, when it was first announced that Nitro was coming to Alberta, I was like, you guys better pack extra jackets and stuff because it gets, yeah. like, minus 40 at the start of uh, February normally here. And this year it was like, we we it gets to what temperature in February normally? It, it's plus 10 now, buddy. Get, get your shorts out. It's time to have fun. It's like, what? Uh-huh. I, I'm normally used to being stuck inside at this point, time of the year and 
not able to move five feet out of my front door. No, I heard so too. So I was pumped for it, you know. And with the track being like in Central City, you know, I was so pumped going there. And then I landed 17 minus. Perfect, I thought. And then plus 10. And the whole thing was ruined. We're like, oh, shit. It, yeah. it was, it was different. It was crazy. It was crazy. And I remember joking with some people in Nitro about, you know, you better pack extra clothes or else you're going to end up freezing to death. And it's like, yeah. no, it's completely warm now. You just probably packed all this extra gear for nothing. Yeah. It's quite fun. You know, the most the Nitro <laughs> organization, they're mostly Californians. <laughs> so they probably, they don't know what warm clothes are. <laughs> I didn't need them either though. And I was supposed to go to Anarx Calgary. I didn't last minute because of it being so cold before then. And then it suddenly turned warm again. But um, so that probably would have been the entire fun of me just joking around the entire weekend, me standing there in shorts, acting like this is completely normal. So I, I, th- I think some people would have had a day if I went, actually went and was there. Because I would have been the yeah. most chill, calm person in the paddocks ever. <laughs> yeah. That would be good, good to have you, man. I, I am hoping this year I'm able to go, but yeah, anything can change between now and the event time. And even the event could be canceled for all I know at this point. Like, No, no, no. <laughs> now we go. Dana White will fix it. <laughs> And Travis, make sure it happens. I think, like, I I remember seeing on the schedule, like, schedule is subject to change, and I completely understand why, but I know Tra- I know Travis too well to not sit there and push for every round to try to work. Like, I understand yeah, yeah. why Finland didn't happen. It was because of financial reasons or the track not being ready, something like that. No, the, the track, the actual track it went bankrupt. So they were building a MotoGP track that we were supposed to join for event, and they didn't finish building the MotoGP track before the whole thing got bankrupt. So it had nothing to do with Nitro. It was just a bummer, you know. It didn't have anywhere to race. And then Saudi Arabia was cancelled for reasons I believe I am aware of. Yeah. The reason I'm not going to say publicly because I've been told not to, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I, there's stuff I've been told that I can't say publicly that I'm like I want to say publicly, but I can't say it publicly now. <laughs> yeah, which, which for me as a reporter is. For me as a reporter, <laughs> that kind of barrier of like you can't say that publicly is like. I yeah. I now want to say everything about that publicly, and it's like, no, you can't do that. So that because that's a good way to lose your information source within the company. Which I guess my information source now no longer works in Nitro. But yeah. Anyway, um, it is what it is. <laughs> so as far as GRC goes, what was your favorite GRC track to race? Vegas. We were racing on the strip. That was awesome. 
because they made good tracks on a parking lot on the strip in in Vegas. That was that was cool. So close, close second is Barbados. I say that was it was a nice track. So in terms of tracks that you would like to see come to Nitro, what's one track that you would like to see Nitro go to or race at? Uh, Oh. Good question. Obviously, it's it's cool to race in Vegas. I think we should do that again at some point. Uh, <laughs> you got me on the spot there. I like, you know, city races. I, I think, you know, Nitro, we, we make our track if we need. Uh, so it's more about like, like what city, where, what venue should we go to? Um, inside a football stadium, we could make a track. That would be cool. Um, uh, Tampa uh, was couple rumors about i wouldn't mind going to tampa i think that's a great city um yeah i don't know you know we we need to try uh, and see where it's good and bad so far i think we've had many good places but also a couple bad ones that we obviously haven't come back to so yeah more different stuff you know in a mountain we can make a track somehow wouldn't that be cool you know the thing that I won't put put a patch Travis Strana to try to do a full no. water jump over complete water. I I wouldn't put it past them to try it at one point. I feel like it would end terribly. But there was full disclaimer. There was a plan to do that in in the Finland event. It was like a river we would jump over. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that, but now I said it. I, I saw mean, the drawings. I saw the drawings, and we were jumping over a river. But yeah, <laughs> a bit some point. So that, so that, so the, yeah, the, the, the thought has already, you know, been dug. So maybe Travis just need to work it out somehow. I, I, I honestly wouldn't plan past been, Travis. Uh, plan's been there. <laughs> Like I, I just feel like a good place for that would be like Boston, Massachusetts, or something, because that, like, just even race by like the uh, Bay in Boston would be so cool for just even like from a view standpoint to photo standpoint to it would just be super cool to race even just by a waterway would be cool. Yeah, but, I've never been to Boston, so I love to race there. There, there's so okay. many things that Travis could probably do. It's just getting the permits and getting the place to even do yeah. it. And fun things and everything, you know. So it's it's all fun. It's all yeah. fun, but Travis is also a person I know doesn't give up easily, so I, I wouldn't put it past him to try that at some point. No. We see. He, he, he normally goes a bit wild, so we have to calm him down a bit. So All of this when his mind gets into this, he will start going everywhere if he's that so. We'll just wait and see what he can do. I I also in a way feel 
I uh, I'm also surprised actually Travis hasn't tried to host like Travis hasn't hosted around yet at his uh ranch in yeah. Maryland. That would be the place. Yeah. I believe maybe. Maryland. Or maybe with yeah, yeah, his ranch is in Maryland, yeah. yeah. Maybe if he's like it gets a bit too close, which I respect. Uh, no, that's his home. Maybe you don't want this all to invade. He's private. He's done, you know, stuff with his friends and stuff, but now it's more, I think Nitro is, it's more business, you know, as well. So maybe it gets a bit too close to him. So it's a big country yeah. to explore as well. We can do, we can do stuff everywhere. In Grand Canyon, why don't we have a race there? Like, I oh, can imagine. We can, ju- we can jump over the Chicago River then. I couldn't imagine the amount of permits and stuff that Travis would think <laughs> of if, if Grand Canyon were to happen. Knowing him, he would probably say, why don't we jump <laughs> off the Grand Canyon? Yeah. But that, permits. That should be Dana White's problem now, shouldn't it? <laughs> he can fix a permit. <laughs> that sounds like the most Travis thing ever. Oh, yeah, let's just jump off this giant canyon because yeah. I feel like it. And eight cars. Oh, I couldn't imagine the photos from that. That would be that would be something to to see even like Yeah, it would be awesome. I with Travis, I don't put anything past him until he hits a breaking point of like that is physically impossible to do. Like I I, yeah, I just wonder where where is that? <laughs> When does he reach that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even does think anyone... he knows that point no. yet because I don't think he's gotten to that point ever in his life before where it's like, you can't actually do that. That is physically impossible, buddy. But and He's found okay. out afterwards sometimes, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's broke a couple of bones to know. You, you would think, but nope. I, 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 that's honestly, why you love I, Travis as well, isn't it? That's why he's the goat, isn't it? Is he just I, a, has his mindset like that? I, I think Travis has broken every bone in his body at some point, and some bones they probably didn't even know existed until he broke them. Yeah, we normally say that, but then someone comes and say, "Yeah, he's done that," but times three. <laughs> Be like okay, <laughs> it's like when you're talking about people who have done really stupid things in their life. It's like just look at Travis Pastrana. You, you'll find five, six different examples within like the first four pages of his life, and it's like I, I honestly, yeah. if he wrote a biography about himself, that thing would probably be like an entire like Bible length, like. That thing would be long and probably the most interesting thing you've ever read. Yeah, yeah I would read that. <laughs> but then again, he is Travis Pastrana. So all these things he's done has led up to something, hasn't it? You have to respect that. It's kind of cool. Travis is he just is somebody who had... Travis is somebody who is just... I, I would love to sit and talk with him for like six hours because I feel like there are just so many different corners of his life yeah. that you could just sit there and touch. And it's like, I don't even know 50% of your life at this point. And we just sat and talked for three hours, yeah. four hours. And it's like, 
And the thing with Travis is that you can't do that. You see, he's a, he's a super nice guy. So he would take the time to do that with you, you know. He's just not some guy that just brushes you off. Like, he is legit a good guy. So, yeah, that that's the most impressive thing to me, you know. Having done all what he has done, being the guy he is, and he's still the, the human he is, is quite, is quite cool. Him and Ken, him and Ken Block are pretty much one and the same. Both of them are really good with media. Both of them had absolutely insane ideas when it came down to things. And it's like both of them had stories that nobody even knew sitting in them. And it's like <laughs> you, yeah. you could sit there with both of them and just they could talk to you for days on end about their lives and you would still not know half of it. And it's like, nah, and you just can't believe it's true, but it's all true. <laughs> it, it, there's some things that I, that I read about like Travis Irving Ken, that was like, that can't be true. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. wait, this is Ken block. And this is Travis. Yeah. It's like, and then you look it up and it's almost even worse than how they described it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like I yeah, I honestly don't know how Travis has is still doing the stuff he does. Like I I I'm I'm gonna say this. I'm honestly surprised he hasn't paralyzed himself yet or something. And I wouldn't put it past him at some point to accidentally do that. Yeah. yeah let's hope not. I I hope yeah. not because I hope he continues doing this for as long as he wants Forever. which will probably yeah. be and which will probably be until he's like 70 and he can barely yeah. do anything else but he still finds a way to do this stuff and it's like yeah I agree but anyway um so speaking of Travis scenes we spent the past like 10 minutes talking about Travis What's it like to have Travis in the paddocks? Yeah, as I said, you know, he's a super cool guy to be around. Uh, we can have the biggest battle on track, like, ever. And then we come around and he comes to the tent and greets you like, good job, man, that was the most fun I've ever had, you know? Uh, so, yeah, it's it's more, he really enjoys it. You can tell, like, most of us young guys, we're there to prove something and become something. But he already is that guy, you know. So for him, it's such a cross. He really does. Uh, that's fun to see. And, you know, just how he, how he approaches every challenge coming up. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, something I try to learn a lot from, you know. Uh, how he drives on different track, how he jumps. Uh, you know, he's a being a motocross guy, he he spends some time in the air, so that's something I, I really try to pick up from him. Uh, which he is by far the best in the whole series at doing uh, jumping. Somehow he's fast at jumping. He doesn't jump further than us, but he's just fast doing it. So uh yeah, as I said, and then yeah, in the paddock, you know and you see all the fans appreciate him. He takes time for the fans and he just makes the event so much better. 
And to me, like the best people in rallycross are the people, or even in rally in general, or even in motorsports, are the people who have nothing to prove, but still go out and give it their all because they can help somebody else improve themselves as a driver. Yeah. Like for me, Travis is somebody who actually does that in a full respect. And it's even kind of the same with Scott Speed. It's like neither of them have anything to prove within the sport, but they still go on and they give it their all because it, you know, it helps other drivers as well develop. It's like if you beat Travis Strana, you're beating Travis Strana at 100%. You aren't beating Travis Strana at, oh, yeah, I was only driving 50% that entire race. Yeah, for sure. You need to, the whole way, you know. Travis is someone who never gives up. Never, ever. So, I, always I honestly don't. Around. I honestly don't think Travis Strong knows what 50% is. I think for him, no. it was just 110% all the time. And it's just like nothing less until he physically <laughs> can't do anything more than, than until he physically can't do 110%. It's like still like 90% of his ability. And it's like, yeah, for sure. That is a cool dude. Someone everyone should look up to, for sure. So, you mentioned with the Nitro Tracks, there were some bad locations. What was one of those bad locations? Uh, bad location for Nitro Track? Yes. Oh. Uh, I haven't had any really yet. That's bad, you know, because we make all the tracks we're getting to. Um, or I guess more or less bad location even that you yeah. guys don't want to go back to. Uh, I don't think I really have one. Get yeah, some bad luck at, at some locations with yeah, obviously the weather in Calgary was horrible, but it was an awesome place to be at. So we want to go back. Um Utah, we had a lot of dust last time we was there, but the place, the track was still really good. So there's always potential on the places we've been. I don't think I don't think we've been turning like bad, bad places. There's always been a thought behind it from the series why we should go there and I think it's be reasonable so yeah of course there's tracks I've enjoyed less and I've enjoyed more but not really any bad places so far so you mentioned Utah this year Utah returns to the calendar for the first time since 2019 which is really only a season ago or two seasons ago, considering, yeah. Or, actually, yeah. no, it was in there in 2021. One, yeah, yes. 2021. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. But, uh, so yeah, that was only a season ago. Um, what was, what was your favorite part about Utah? Uh, the jump is something else. It's so high, yeah enormous when you're there i enjoyed it the joke lab was fun you know going through the tunnel it was quite technical uh, 
you could hit it like perfect and get a good uh, split time through there. Uh, yeah, it was a lot to like about Utah actually. The the long straight, you know, the the mixed surface. Uh, yeah, the, I can only say one. I enjoyed everything except the dust, if I say so. The dust was it was a problem last time, so hopefully they fixed it this time. So for you as a driver, how much does the dust affect how you drive and how much does it bother you as a driver? Oh, yeah, a lot. Uh, I mean, if you're ahead, nothing. Uh, but if you're behind, you know, uh, it's like driving blind. You have to guess kind of where you're going. So if it's really bad, obviously. But, uh, yeah, this year we didn't, we didn't have any big issues with it. So it was all good. But, yeah, snow dust a bit in, in Quebec uh, with eight cars in the final, a lot of snow on track. But, uh, yeah, for sure, dust can be a big issue. But uh, I think by now they, they, they've learned how to manage it pretty well. So I don't think it would be an issue. So last season also saw a few night races. Quebec was one of them. Arizona was one of them. And I believe one of the rounds in LA was one of them as well. Um, what was that like for you to be racing at night in, for Rallycross? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, first time we did it, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, then LA and so on, we did two night races. And then for, for Sunday, it, it was like kind of a morning race. Uh, or yeah, a day race. It was a very late night on on Saturday, and then up really early on on Sunday. So that I I didn't quite enjoy because you lost a lot of hours of sleep. But um, yeah, having a whole weekend with night races are ah, it's cool. You know, if done correctly, it's awesome. Uh, I think the the cars really pop under the lights as well so uh, yeah I think having the mixture is is what we should do and I think this year there will be a few more kind of night events as well because like I said before all the rounds are pretty much double headers besides two so that also yeah. adds a fun aspect to it and should also be really fun for you guys as well so yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, night races are uh, good for fans as well. Um, obviously, you can't sit around at home a whole day watching motorsport. Not many people do that. But, uh, you know, going at, at night to your local sports bar, uh, having a beer, some chicken wings and watching rallycross is how it should be. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope it's appreciated around in the, in the whole country. And, uh, yeah, we keep doing it. And even just talking with uh, Brett Clark, the co-founder of Nitro RX, um, he even said that, uh, like in the LA round and the round before it, Nitro saw a huge jump in uh, viewership and population at the events and such. And I yeah. do believe night events had a part to do with that, especially in LA, because a lot of the time throughout the day, people are working. So at night, it's easier to go to an event because you aren't working. Yes, you have yeah, to be sure. up in the morning for the most part, but 
it's not like nitro events run for six hours or whatever it they're generally pretty short in length even though there's a lot jam-packed into it yeah for sure i think i think also that's that's what breath and the other guys did well you know they saw that uh, yeah how, how people approached it and that it was very positive as well so they kind of capitalized on it and, and that's where we see it more and more and if that's the way we have to go then we can do all you know races at night i don't mind that so uh, yeah but also you know having the aspect of uh time zones and all, all of that you know it all needs to be brought into a big picture as well so as many people as possible can see can see what we're doing well, I think that's the issue, right? Like, for a lot of the part, if, say, the championship were to go to Sweden again and do night events there, it would be, well, no, actually, it would be midday It'd for be the good. most part in, yeah. um, call it in North America, because right now it's, what, 2 o'clock for me, it's 10 o'clock for you? Yeah, it's, yeah, 10 o'clock. That that's what made scheduling this also hard because time zones. But anyway, um, yeah, that's kind of what's good though. You know, being when we're at West Coast time and we do a night race, then it's kind of six, seven o'clock in the morning for Europeans. So it's a lot of hardcore fans there, so they're up at that time. You know, uh, going into the stream watching it. So as long as it's not you know three, four o'clock at night, then you know you can still watch it. Yeah, and that's what makes it, I guess, in a sense, work as well in for night events in North America because a lot of North Americans can watch it at that time. And a lot of Europeans can also watch it. So it kind of creates kind of this perfect marriott of it works and it doesn't work. It works perfectly, so. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Into the Dust podcast hosted by Joe Moore presented by Belly Up Sports.